Today on the School of Podcasting, it's the introduction of I Told You So Corner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and podcasting turned 20 years old. I'm going to talk about a little bit about the good old days and some of the things that used to happen that I kind of wish were happening today. And in general, why podcasting is just so much cooler than every form of medium. And a study came out of 1,200 podcasters and they came up with 10 pillars for indie podcasters. And we're going to share those and I'm going to kind of chime in with my opinion on those. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you tackle the technology face your fears and flatten the learning curve to get you on the right way to podcasting. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you throw on a slash listener at the end of that, uh, that'll save you 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. And speaking of 20, podcasting just turned 20 years old today. Now, I guess James Cridlin from podnews.net did a lot of research to really figure out what was the first podcast and the technology has been around 20 years or 23 years but it took uh, three years to really create that first one and I was listening to an episode I'll have a link to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 879 and he was talking to the person that basically recorded the first one and it really got me nostalgic because the early days of podcasting were very much a giant middle finger, at least in the U.S., to the radio industry because it was the radio industry, thanks to the Clinton administration, they had made it available so that giant companies could buy up all the independent radio stations. There used to be a limit. And those people quit looking at how can we get more people to listen to radio and said, how can we gram, cram more ads down their face. How can we do less and and get more? And they just, in my opinion, radio is a hard listen now. It's 30% commercials. It's the same songs over and over with absolutely no personality. Back in the early days before my time, there were people like, Wolfman Jack, baby, today we're going to do it. All right. You know, and uh, that's gone. There's no personality unless it's, you know, pull my finger jokes in the morning, I could go on for hours about how I'm disappointed in radio. Watch the, it's a documentary, corporate.fm, it's on Amazon, and that's what we want to avoid. That is exactly what we want to avoid. So when I see podcasting as a, a quote, here we go, air quotes, industry, taking the same steps that they did in radio, I go, hey, guys, like, let's not recreate, you know, the past and, and ruin this awesome thing. And so it was super creative, and there was no program director. There was no network that told you what to do and how to do it and things like that. And I heard this clip from the Bandrew Says podcast. Now, Bandrew is a guy I use, I trust. He's really kind of more known as a YouTuber, but he's smart and went, hey, Hold on. And he will also, he will be the first to say that his YouTube, when he's on YouTube, he's a YouTuber. And when he puts out his audio, he's a podcast. We'll talk about that a little later today. 
But here's the thing. This is the beauty of podcasting. Listen to Bandrew, and he's talking about somebody sent him voice feedback. He's really good at getting voice feedback because he tells people exactly how to do it. He tells them what he prefers, and consequently, he gets it. So that's tip number one for today. How do I get more feedback? Tell people exactly where to go and exactly what you're looking for, and there's a better chance of getting that besides, hey, tell me what you think. So that's tip number one. But what I loved about this was his uh, listener said, you know what I really like about your show? Because when they find your show and it's good, they will download lots of your back episodes. And this listener said, you know what's great about this? If you listen to other people's back catalogs, you get into the COVID period and there's a whole lot of COVID going on. And Bandrew did not. And so this listener was saying, Bandrew, thank you so much. I'm so glad you didn't talk about COVID. And here's what Bandrew said to that comment. That was intentional. There was a lot of pressure around that time to discuss news events, to discuss world events, to discuss cultural events. And I had people saying, you need to talk about this. It is your responsibility. You have to talk about it. And my response to them was, no, I don't. Wrong. I do not have to talk about that. Do you want to know why? I review microphones. I am an idiot. I talk about microphones. What is wrong with you thinking I have to talk about X, Y, or Z? This massive cultural or political or viral event. Wrong. I don't and I shouldn't because I do not have the education, the background, any of that to discuss it. So leave me alone. The answer is no. That was all very intentional. And I was worried because I had people pressuring me pretty hard. (laughs) You need to talk about this. No, I don't. (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) Thank you, Badmintons. I appreciate you. Bandrew says dot com is where you can find him. That is a podcast that when a new episode comes out, I'm like, all right, he is my source for YouTube information. He's a really good guy and he's very entertaining. In fact, the thing I like about him, he actually had somebody say, are you worried that maybe you're not as professional as you should be? And I, he kind of explained that he's just being himself. And I love the fact that there for a while, he was getting like really bad Halloween costumes. Like he'd have like this fake mustache and a pipe. He does this weird thing when he, he'll hold up the box of the microphone he's reviewing and he always throws it over his head. And it's always fun to see how much damage or destruction is going to happen with him. Like where is the box going to land again? It's, it's subtle, but it's one of those where I want to see what's going to happen. But not only is he explaining what the mic is, what the specs are, but he does it in an entertaining way. So there's that thing, right? You want people to either laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. He's educating me and he's entertaining me at the same time. So be yourself. It's one of those things that's going to help your podcast because there are plenty of other channels where people just go, today we're going to review the SM7B. The spec is minus 20, minus da 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 I want Bandrew in a devil's costume 
throwing, you know, boxes and what I, you know, and playing. He's also a really talented musician and that's always fun. So I can't get that on other shows. So sometimes how do you stand out by being yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another beauty of podcasting is its open nature. Now, what do I mean by that is it's not YouTube. Look, I have a YouTube channel. I plan on kind of reinvigorating my YouTube channel, especially now that as I record this in July of 2023, the actors and the writers, at least in the U.S., is this just a U.S. thing, are on strike. So content on the streaming services, content on the regular TV channels is going to dry up. The fall season is going to start sometime next year, basically, at this point. And so there's going to be more eyeballs looking for new content. It's a great time to start a podcast. And the beauty of podcasting is it's open and they really, boy, here we go. They can't cancel you. And this is a clip of Robert Kennedy Jr., who is running for president in the United States. And I've only heard bits and pieces of him. I, he, there is something physically, he has some sort of condition. So his voice is a little different when you first hear it, but you get used to it. But I love this guy because he's anti-Big Pharma. And what's, without getting, I know this isn't a political show, but here's what's fun. There are billions, billions of money spent on Big Pharma every year and the life expectancy of uh, uh, the American person is going down, not up. But here he is talking about how he's explaining. He's done a lot of research and he's trying to get the message out there. So where is he going? Well, mainstream media doesn't want to hear this. And this isn't really too tinfoil hatty. He backs up a lot of his stuff, but just listen to what he's going through trying to get his message out. So I, I was looking forward to going on his podcast, but he called me and was like, I don't think we can do it because I'm you know, i worried about my livelihood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where the self-censoring kicks in. Yeah. And so they, did they give him any indication of what the subject was? <laughs> I don't know. He was trying to find out from them, and I don't think they were the, being that forthcoming. But that uh, that kind of self-censoring is, uh, it seems to have ramped up. And they, they when I, like I said, they deleted the Mike Tyson episode. They deleted the, the Theo Vaughn episode. I'm not aware of any other ones. Are you aware of any other ones that got taken down as well? Well, I mean, anything I put up goes, comes down. But Yeah? But yeah, I mean, we're, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm heavily censored. I'm heavily censored, and he also has spasmodic dysphonia. That's what's going on with his voice. But it's one of those things that with podcasting, even people that I really don't agree with that have been, if we can put up quotation marks here, canceled, are still publishing a podcast. The last thing I wanted to point out here about podcasting, if you've listened to this show, you know I get all curmudgeon-y when people call YouTube a podcast, and here's one of the reasons why. So I guess we could call this I Told You So Corner, and that is a study last month from Cumulus Media and Signal Hill uh, stated that the fourth largest podcast platform is Facebook. What, what, what? Yeah. So when everything's a podcast, yeah. So... Consequently, now, any kind of stats, any kind of survey where they ask people about 
listening to podcasts is going to be kind of worthless. And so, again, when you complain that there aren't any good surveys, I told you, YouTube is not a podcast. And everybody's like, ah, you're old curmudgeon. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm in the business of communicating with people, and that muddied the water. So, in just a second, something that didn't muddy the water was a survey of 1,200 podcasters. And as much as I say, don't compare yourself to others, because podcasting is a lot like golf or bowling, you're only as good as your last game, or in this case, your last episode, we're going to see what podcasters are up to and what they're thinking, and you can see if you're on the same track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, this is a survey of 1,200 podcasters. It's called the IndiePod Manifesto. And they have a letter at the top of this. I'll put a link in the show notes. It says, to those, this is just some of the things that jumped out at me, to those who create not for fame or fortune, but for the joy of connecting with others, of sparking a conversation, and of giving voice to the voiceless. And to those who have yet to begin, we welcome you to our tribe of independent thinkers to find your voice and to stamp your mark on the world. Because when we embrace our differences, when we celebrate our authenticity, when we dare to create something new, that's when we can truly change the world one story at a time. And so the one they're calling these pillars, and there are 10 of them. Number one. And the first one, it says that the single most essential ingredient to achieving success in podcasting is when you play the long game. The 35% of the people said that was one of the key ingredients, followed by planning, and then followed that by good equipment. And there's more, but the one I want to throw in here, 10% was coaching, 14% good equipment, 19% was planning, and 35% said the long game. So as you might imagine, I'm hoping that coaching comes up the ladder a bit, but it does help. I mean, if you think about it, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, all these people had coaches. I mentioned in the last episode that I had hired a a business coach to kind of look over some things and definitely found some things that I could do better. So the first thing, be ready for the long haul. It is a marathon not a sprint. Number two. Number two is know your why. There are many reasons to start a podcast and that will then shape your content. So for example, if I'm trying to keep my brand in front of you, I might do, you know, a daily show, maybe three times a week, short shows, quick tips, just so I can say my brand. If I'm trying to show off my expertise, well, then I might do a longer show. If I'm trying to grow my network, I'm going to do interviews, et cetera, et cetera. You need to know your why. So here are some of the whys. The number one, and this is where I believe at the heart of every good podcaster is the heart of a servant. And so I'll give you an example. For me, just getting someone to start a podcast is when your need to serve your audience, whatever that is in whatever way, but your your need, your desire to serve your audience is greater 
than your fear of looking stupid. So when the need to serve is greater than the fear of looking stupid, you will actually press record. And I have to talk people kind of into that area and quit focusing on you and let's focus on your audience because the more you focus on your audience, the better your content's going to be. And then you won't sound stupid. So number one was help, support, and motivate. Number two, create, uh, just to be creative, to have fun. You know, I don't know if you knew that. You're, you're allowed to do a podcast just for fun. Raise awareness. So we talked earlier about uh, RFK Jr. trying to get the word out. Uh, to bring about change, there's another one. Build a reputation. Uh, create a side hustle. Whether it's, uh, the next one might be a business or a brand. Uh, learn or achieve something. So there are people that do shows, not because they're an expert, it's the direct opposite. I call it a journey podcast where you're like, look, I don't know anything about crypto, so I'm going to start a podcast where I talk about crypto and interview other people that can educate me. And then the lowest one, the reason people start was they wanted to be their main income source. And that, again, I think the reason that's so low is hopefully most people know that it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Number three. Indies work smart. This is where they really, again, because you figured out what your why is, you did see where planning was number two. And what's interesting about this is people that haven't launched yet spend their resources on education. And once they release their first episode, that gets cut drastically. And then when you get up to episodes 50, this is where you start outsourcing. In fact, outsourcing often happens on episode one as well because you figured out, hey, this is a heck of a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So the other thing that I thought was interesting is 32% of indie podcasters don't record video and they have no plans to. And again, I'm not anti-YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. It's just called a YouTube channel. It's not a call to podcast. And realize when you do that, that's like starting a second podcast. It's a lot of work. In fact, Ariel Nissenblatt had a tweet that she put out and said, what are you struggling with or what's stressing you out? And Crimeline Pod on Twitter said, uh, Charlie in this case, mine is that I invested in video and I'm in the stage where I'm waiting to see it pay off. Lots of work for $1.50 in YouTube revenue. Now, to put YouTube in a good light, I do a show every Saturday, Ask the Podcast Coach, and I looked at a video that I put out yesterday, and it's already got 118 views since yesterday. If you are under the impression that if I put my video on Spotify, because if you want video on Spotify, you have to use their platform, since May... I've put out, I don't know, four or five episodes, and I've had three, three plays on that, and I have an audience of one, which I believe is me. Now, obviously, your mileage may vary, but uh, if we don't have much more return on that, as it says, podcasters tend to work smart, and maybe, even though it's not costing me a dime, is it worth my effort to upload it that? We do deliver quality content, 
but we're consistently looking to work smarter. And if you have the time, then maybe you're doing the editing yourself. But if you don't have the time, well, then you'll see in this graph where a lot of people are outsourcing the editing. Number four. Number four says that indie podcasters, they like to experiment and adapt. And one key area that you can look for is in the example of formats. And so when people start off, a majority are doing a solo show, 43% with uh, interviews coming in at 29% and co-hosted being 23 and a roundtable being 5%. But you'll notice that solo shows are the early episodes and then they start to run out of content and interviews go up. But that's the thing. I've said it before, your podcast is a recipe. It's not a statue and you can mix it up. And some people think it's either or. Should I do a solo show, which positions you as an expert, or should I do a interview show, which will grow my network, to which I say, as long as both deliver value, do both. Number five. Number five is we learn from our listeners. I sure hope so, because how are you going to track more if you ignore your listeners? But the problem is we're not getting any feedback. 81.5% said, I wish I received more feedback, including constructive criticism. Coming in second, 13.9% said, nah, I get enough feedback. And 4.6% said, I wish I received more feedback, but only positive. That's a weird attitude. Coming from a teaching background, that's a weird attitude. Please just tell me how great I am. That's all I want. But here's the thing with feedback. It is hard to get people to leave feedback. So there are a couple things you can do to make this easier, right? If you're not getting enough of something, then clear out any hurdles. So maybe instead of saying, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, maybe you use something like SpeakPipe or Pod Inbox or whatever, and you have a link right in the show description that says, hey, click this and go there. I do the question of the month. And I tell you exactly what to say. I tell you exactly where to go. You can see this month's question at schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. Whereas if I just said, hey, you know, let me know what you think of this. I'd love to hear your feedback. It's way too vague. Make it easy and tell them exactly what you're looking for. Number six. Number six deals with monetization. And what it's basically saying is indies own their own content unlike in some cases when you are on a giant network, and they monetize on their own terms. And so first they kind of looked at, you know, what makes you indie? And to me, it's when you don't have a boss. I guess that's one way of looking at it. You don't have, like, you are the boss, uh, and there's no network, there's no program director or things like that. Where did you, uh, they asked, where did these indie people learn how to podcast? and None of them had any kind of college degree or anything like that. They said most of them, uh, close to 60%, recorded at home. Uh, Very few had a pro or semi-pro studio. And they viewed their podcast as a side gig or a hustle, because we're talking about monetization. That was about 45%. The people that did it as a hobby, and I realized for some people the word hobby is kind of triggering, and I'm like, 
I don't know. Somebody says I bike ride is a hobby. I don't find that, you know, I, I've never understood that, but that's about 30%. And then about 22%. I wish they would have just put these in numbers. Like, yes, it's cool to have a graph, but I would have rather had the actual numbers as well. But you don't need to be formally trained in podcasting. I always say you have a lot of the skills. You probably know how to talk. You've probably pressed record on a VCR or cassette deck or something in the past. So you know how to do that. You've uploaded pictures to Facebook. You've attached things to your email. So you know how to upload a file to your media host. And if you've ever used Microsoft Word or Google Docs, you know how to format a post. It's really, you know, there are just some things in there with storytelling and things like that. But a lot of it is just, again, just stitching what you already know together. And I'm not going to say there's no learning curve, but it's, I more than once have had people say to me, okay, what's next? And I'll be like, oh, well, now you just create your next episode. You're, you're done launching. And they're like, okay, no, but seriously, what's next? And I go, that's it. That's it. Just, just go back and make more great content and promote it, obviously. But in terms of like getting it off the ground, it's not as hard as you think it is. Number seven. Number seven, indie podcasters value individuality and applaud sincerity. Uh, Another way of saying this, independent podcasters, they have a unique and diverse perspective and that empowers differences and celebrates authenticity. Last week, my co-host for Ask the Podcast Coach couldn't make it, so I had Adam A. Adams from the podcast on podcasting filled in as my co-host. In one of his episodes, he talked about how he had one of his VAs die in the Philippines and a couple other things, and he just kind of, his whole episode was kind of carpe diem. He tied it into podcasting, and I listened to it, and I said, chat GPT can't do that. Because it was really, it wasn't high energy. He even said, look, this episode's going to be a little different. But what I loved about it was it was authentic. Number eight. Number eight, of course, indies use their passion to overcome challenges and defy the odds. It says many independent podcasters have suffered from imposter syndrome at some point in their journey. I've done multiple episodes about imposter syndrome. And as I said earlier, when your passion to serve your audience is greater than your fear of looking stupid, then you will actually press record. And I'm just here to tell you, almost everybody has some sort of imposter syndrome. We've all been there. I still occasionally, when I do a question of the month, I go, is anybody going to really submit an answer? So we all feel that. And I wish the answer was you just push through, but you just kind of push through to make it easier, focus on your audience. And the more confident you are in your material, that it's going to help your audience, then you are more confident in releasing. And that helps battle the imposter syndrome. Number nine. Number nine is indies change the way their listeners see the world. When I first got into podcasting in 2005, I said, look, I think this thing is going to change the world. And it does. Podcasts are more than just another way to pass time on that morning commute. And while it's easy to, you think about it, when you press the on button on a TV, something starts. Something starts with a podcast. There is one extra step. 
You have to choose what do I want to listen to, and then you press play. And with that, I say it's that I am choosing you to take up my time. I have this very, very expensive resource called my time, and I'm choosing to give it to you. And I've learned so many things from podcasts that I wouldn't learn anyplace else. Anytime I want to learn about a different culture, I listen to podcasts for women to understand women because, well, I'm not a woman. I listen to podcasts uh, for people of color because, again, you can't get much more whiter than me. I mean, people use me for a white balance test. If they're in video, they're like, hold on, Dave, could you stand over here? There you go. Thank you so much. And so it's an easy way to educate yourself. And being that my background's in teaching, when I first saw podcasting, I saw it as an educational way to change the world. And if you've heard this show before, you know I always say to not be boring, you need to make people either laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And when they asked people, hey, what problem is your podcast solving for your listener? Over 35% of experienced podcasters agree, again, playing the long game uh, is the single most essential ingredient. And this is what people are trying to do. They're trying to get them to think. They're trying to motivate them or coach them or support them. That was number two. Number three was entertain them. Number uh, four was learn from them. So they want to learn from the audience. Number five, learn alongside them. And then number five was teach them. So those are some of the things that people are doing in their podcast. Number 10. This one is kind of obvious. Indies put purpose and passion ahead of fame and fortune. And it goes on to say that podcast success, it varies a lot depending on who you ask. So that's why, to me, when I'm working with a client, the first thing I ask is, why are you doing this? You need to know your why, and you need to know your who. And then when you know those two, you figure out what can you talk about that's going to hold their attention, but also move towards your why. And as we said, it takes, in what I mentioned in my book, A Profit from Your Podcast. Uh, proven strategies to turn listeners into a livelihood. And nobody wants to hear this stat. It takes somewhere between two and three years to build an audience where you're going to really put some money in the monetize. And so consequently, when they mentioned here that pillar number 10 is many people, again, with the heart to serve, they put the purpose and the passion of head of the fame and fortune. And what that leads to is growing your audience and then when you get the audience, now you have the alternative to monetize if you want. And realize, as we've seen in this survey, many people are just doing it to build that network and to help people change the world and get them to think and see different perspectives and get their voices out. The one last thing I wanted to talk about is they had one slide here where they mentioned what is stopping you from starting a podcast. And the number one thing was promotion and growth. And that is something we've talked a lot about here. It goes about, I always say the the kind of, you know, pull my string kind of answer is know who your audience is. Again, you will hear me say that per nauseum. That's really where everything starts. Figure out where they are, go there, 
whether that's online, offline, whatever, go there and make friends and then tell them about your show. That is one strategy. There's other things like paid ads, but don't spend any money on paid ads until you verify that your podcast is getting the reaction that you want. So that's the first thing that people that said, what stands between you and launching your podcast? So promotion and growth, editing and production was number two. Monetization was number three, which was interesting because in earlier slides, monetization was way down. But here in this slide, it's number three. So this is where I go. I think people kind of start off like, no, no, I just want to get the word out there. And then later they're like, yeah, I'm not making any money at this. So again, either answer is fine. You can try to make money with your podcast, or if you just want to do it for fun and get the word out, that's fine too. Uh, number four is equipment. Realize you can start with a microphone that costs less than $100. There are free media hosts. They're not my favorite. You kind of get what you pay for, but you can, once you get going, your podcast can be less than $20 a month. And now granted, you're not going to maybe sound quite as good as the people that are spending, say, $50 a month, but you're out there and you start where you are and then you build and move forward. So number one, promotion and growth. Number two, editing and production. Number three, monetization. Number four is equipment. Number five was recording. And I think that's, again, that, that really, to me, when I saw recording, I was like, that's imposter syndrome. That's fear of pressing the record button. And again, when your passion to serve your audience outweighs the fear of looking stupid or whatever you want to put there, that's when you press record. So focus on your audience. And then the last one was software. There are, I use Hindenburg. There is Audacity. That's free. There are other programs that uh, you can use. A lot of people use Audacity because it's free. I use Hindenburg just because I love it. The the little number thingies that we've been hearing from my good friend, Mike Russell over at Music Radio Creative. I love the fact that I could bring all those clips in once, kind of stick them on the side and then just drag them in as I need it. So I'm a big Hindenburg uh, fan. And I'll put a link to this again. The name of it was the IndiePod Manifesto. And I tend to agree with most of this that, yep, that's most podcasts get into it because they want to serve. They want, we saw where, again, you need to make people laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. You can start trying to do everything yourself. It is a lot more work than you think it is. But if you're having fun, remember, that was like the number two reason. People are like, no, I just want to have fun. If you're having fun, people go, why do I, Dave, why don't you outsource your editing? I love editing my own stuff. Just shaping it with music and sound effects and cutting out the stupid stuff. I love editing. And consequently, I'm not going to outsource that. But there are other people that are like, look, I got six kids and three jobs. I can't edit this. And that's when I go, you know, maybe a daily show, not such a good idea. That's what I do out at the School of Podcasting. When you, If you're just launching, I help you avoid all those common pitfalls. Make sure you don't buy equipment you don't need. And then once you get up and going, I help you shape your content for maximum impact. We kind of do that as you're launching as well. I make sure you're doing everything you can to, to grow it. And then the community itself can help you grow your network. I know I have two members right now that are working on actually releasing a podcast together. They're kicking around the idea. So it's a lot of fun. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener will save you 20%. Happy 20th birthday to podcasting.
The last thing I wanted to mention is if you're a person that's just wanted to gobble up every ounce of information on podcasting, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash daily, you will get a daily email from me with a podcasting tip. So again, that's schoolofpodcasting.com slash daily to receive a daily tip. And these are things on planning, on launching, on growing, on monetizing, and in some cases, some really cool resources. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash daily. Thanks so much again for taking the time to listen to me. If you know of somebody that would appreciate this, that maybe is thinking of starting a podcast, would you consider sharing this with them? They're going to love you for it, and it's going to help me grow my audience. So it's a double win, or you could just tell them to go to schoolofpodcasting.com. Thanks so much for tuning in again. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.